up here. I, I, I have no clue. Good morning. Once our electronic issues are resolved, Actually, even if our electronic issues are not resolved, let's begin. The passage that was read for us earlier out of Luke chapter 1, if you want to turn there again. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2. Um, is the continuation. We, we looked last week as Mary received the angel Gabriel and actually received the promise, believed in the promise, and received the purposes of God for her to become the mother of Messiah. With, with again, all the absolutely, possibly even terrifying, but definitely life-altering implications of that announcement. That a young girl in such uh, a culture would now be pregnant and have to explain to both her fiancé and to her community that she was pregnant uh, by an act of the Holy Spirit. And yet, her husband-to-be, Joseph, received that uh, out of his own visit with an angel. Uh, he decided to trust God. And he was actually prepared to put her away quietly, which basically means to, to divorce her and send her on her way. But in that culture, he could have protected his reputation by destroying her reputation. And he was not willing to do that. So he was willing to swallow, actually, the humiliation of doing this quietly without explanation. And yet, obviously, God had a plan and announced to him, take Mary as your wife. The baby she's going to have really is from the Holy Spirit. And call his name Jesus. Uh, Joseph received that command. And then it says that Joseph, just like Mary, determined to do the things that God had commanded him. Now we're in Luke 2, and it's getting to be that time. Uh, Mary is reaching uh, her due date, and we have now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. So this is as if the IRS made an announcement Sorry to bring up the IRS again. But as if the IRS made an announcement and said, well, in order to get everybody properly registered, go to your city of birth, and actually more, more specifically, go to your family's city. And our culture probably wouldn't work very well with that announcement because families are so scattered and the sources of families are, are so scattered. Um, I would be inclined to go back to San Antonio, but in some ways I'd have to go to Guatemala or Ireland. Um, so, I'm going to San Antonio. <laughs> but I want to visit Guatemala and Ireland. But it says that Joseph went up then from Galilee to the city of David to Bethlehem, as was prophesied, and we talked about that. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged him as with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
and, and just that recognition that a lot of people had to go back to Bethlehem to register. So this was not a matter that they were not welcome. This is a matter that the place was crowded and all that was left was a manger. And so as she places her baby in the manger, we get to the next part that happens. In the same region, there were shepherds staying in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I love the way this is worded. Because now as, as Jesus has been born... And there is an angel to give announcement. And this is the announcement. For you, a Savior. And first of all, it's worth us uh, hearing and then applying to ourselves the personalness of this announcement. So here's an angel from heaven miraculously appearing before a group of shepherds and the announcement is about the king of the universe coming to the planet. The announcement is about the Messiah prophesied for thousands of years finally arriving on the planet. And this recognition that this is the creator God. John 1 tells us that everything that came into being was created through Jesus. Jesus himself is God the creator. God the creator had just come to the planet and it's being announced by an angel to a flock of shepherds but, but that angel focuses it down into a real personal so that's the first part this is really personal for you for you, for you, for you he's talking to shepherds and he's saying for you a savior and I don't know what I did Is that, is that getting better? Okay. Is it, is it up there correctly? Sort of? Okay. And it's personal, and it's about hope. So this recognition that, that here's a, an angel sent by God talking to these shepherds saying, we know the Father, and I represent Him, He knows what you need. Right now, you need a Savior. That is literally the most important thing you need. And we know from, from plenty of Scripture, lots of Scripture, many of you are very familiar, many of you have even memorized those passages. But where we have in, in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we also have 6.23 that tells us, for the wages of all that sin is death. You need a Savior. And the angel comes knowing our need, knowing the need of those individual shepherds, and he offers them personal hope. And then they, then they open it up by saying, and this is hope for all men, in the generic sense. So that includes all women. 
all children. This is hope for everyone that a Savior has now arrived. That that sin is worldwide. The death sentence over sin is worldwide. And the Savior that has now arrived in this tiny little town in Israel is the Savior for the whole world. And, and that truth is repeated frequently through Scripture. Jesus didn't just come to be a Messiah for Israel. He came to be the, the Savior of the whole world. And I'm going to skip ahead because uh, we'll come back to the angels part here. But after they had seen, so after, after this, the angels go running. They go, we got to go see if these things are true. Let's go see if the things told us. And they run, they go to Bethlehem, they find Joseph and Mary and the baby in a manger, and they're amazed. They see everything the angel had told them is true. But I like the simplicity of this statement. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And again, you and I have that same commission. We have that same privilege that not everybody's an evangelist, not everybody's an apologist, not everybody's a Bible scholar. But every one of us gets to go tell someone the statement that we have heard about Christ. Every one of us gets to go tell somebody that this Jesus, this baby born, and we're going to watch a lot of sappy movies and we're going to hear some really bad music over the, the, the mall speakers. But the point is that a Savior has come. And that for every single person we're talking to, and, and in fact, I would encourage you, be prayerfully asking God for me and for you. Let's be prayerfully asking God, Father, give me a moment, give me an opportunity where somewhere during this season, some heart that you've tenderized and made ready, you give me opportunity to share with them the statement about Jesus Christ. So that whether we're talking about Christmas, whether we're talking about paying Christmas bills, that somehow that opens up an opportunity where I can say how awesome that God sent his son to be my savior and your savior. That this baby grows up as, as was already spoken and, and um, alluded to earlier this morning, and we've certainly been singing about it. This baby grows up to die for the sins of the world. And that you and I would actually say, you know what, Father, somewhere in my holiday activities, genuinely, Father, please bring me someone that is well fitted for me to be the one who springs that statement on them, who shares that truth, who invites them to know this baby grown up to be a savior. And it's really interesting because as secular as our society is, Christmas really does tenderize a lot of hearts. God is really clever. He turns it on the enemy and says, if you're going to do all that sappy stuff, I'm going to tenderize hearts with that sappy stuff. And there's going to be somebody who's just a little more prepared by the Holy Spirit to hear the truth while all this other garbage goes on around us. So that you and I get to actually make sure before we leave here that, Father, that's my choice. That's my prayer. Bring me someone that, like the shepherds, I can just share the truth and, and spread the statement of your son. Let's go back to the angels. I like this. I like this a lot. In verse 13, after they've made all their announcements to the shepherds, 
Verse 13 says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Here we have angels in a multitude. Now, I actually tried to do a little research on what multitude meant in the Greek that was used here. And as you might suspect, since it was translated multitude, it just means multitude. It just means a whole bunch. It doesn't give us detail. It just means a whole bunch. And I remember one Christmas we were, I don't know if we were financially strapped or I was just being a cheapskate, but I made all our own Christmas cards. And I, and I drew this picture of the shepherds getting this announcement. And I, and I got to, by the top of the page, this one angel and then the three angels and the five. By then I was just doing tiny little dots to, to represent a whole bunch of angels. We don't know how many angels are in this moment. But we might have a clue. Go to Hebrews 1. In Hebrews 1, he starts out with this. Actually, let's start in verse 5. To which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him. And he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. So that that statement right there, that God is declaring, here's my son. Here's how many angels I want worshiping my son. All of them. And we have in Revelation that we, we have myriads and myriads. There we do have some number language where it's getting into the 10,000s times 10,000s of angels. And God's saying, I want all of those angels worshiping my son. Now, a little side note on translation, but even this was amazing to me and uplifting for me. Verse 6, when he says, and let all the angels of God worship him, in, in your past, I mean, in your version, that's in quotes. That's a quote from the Old Testament. And here's what's interesting. You probably won't find the quote in the Old Testament in that exact wording. Unless you happen to have the Septuagint in Greek. How many people have studied the Septuagint in Greek? Just a couple. Because there in Deuteronomy 32, 43, after describing the reign of, of Messiah coming and, and bringing all the nations under subjection to God and carrying out the, the retribution and the punishment and the wrath for those who refused to surrender to God, that's where that phrase in the Septuagint gets added in, in Deuteronomy 32, 43, and let all the angels of God worship him. So God is pointing to the future when his, when his son Messiah reigns. And says, and let all the angels of God worship. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. We sang the song this morning, Is He Worthy? And this is part of the... This is part of the, the background of this. 
of this song. And it's where God bringing John up into heaven. God has a scroll. And this scroll is, is an incredibly important scroll. This scroll is the outworking of all of God's final plans for planet earth to bring an end to sin and to establish the eternal reign of Messiah. This is a really important scroll. And it's wrapping up the end of all evil and launching an, an amazing and beautiful eternity. And John starts weeping because no one is found worthy to open the scroll. And then one of the elders tells him, I like this. Well, let's read verse 4. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book. Or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. <laughs> Probably once told me that a lot. <laughs> stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Stop weeping because one person has been found worthy to launch God's plan to wrap up evil and launch eternal good. One person and it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then here's this beautiful transition of image. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb. The lion is now a lamb. Standing as if slain. Now here's where the Jesus image gets a little weird. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And he takes it, and again, he opens the scroll because he alone is worthy, and he launches this majestic plan. But drop down to verse 9. And they sang a new song. Well, let me keep reading verse 8 so it makes sense. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's us. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book, to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures. And the elders and the number of them, these angels, was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. And actually, there, there are a few other passages throughout Revelation where that same thing is happening. And we're just getting a glimpse of it. We're just getting a filtered glimpse of this majesty of worship offered to Jesus Christ, delivered through, through John's limited ability to comprehend that, 
the limitations of language to convey it to us across a couple of thousand years. And yet part of what we get to recognize is this king, this savior is truly worthy of our worship. And here's what struck me as I was studying these things. I do not worship him enough. I do not worship him deeply enough. I have growing to do in worshiping him. I have growing to do in even comprehending how worthy he is so that my worship naturally, supernaturally goes deeper. As we watch angels, majestic, perfect beings that are just amazed at Jesus, all, I, I almost picture this moment in heaven where God says, my son is getting ready to be born on earth. I need some volunteers to go down and worship him and announce his birth on planet earth. And suddenly heaven was totally empty because they were all crowding down to say, I must be here to worship him and announce him. And we get to have that same heart and that same enjoyment. This should be enjoyable for us to grow in worshiping Jesus Christ. I deserve to be in hell. I hope that doesn't come as a shock to you. I deserve to be in hell. Bigger shock. You deserve to be in hell. And by simply putting our faith in Jesus Christ, we will never taste it for one split second. Not one second. He won't even just like run us through the flames to help us know what we missed. Not one second. Because he sent his son to be a savior. That's worthy of a lot of gratitude. And the one who thought of this and the one who was willing to carry it out, this savior and God is worthy of a great deal of worship. So I pray as we go into the, into the days ahead that all of us would be thinking, you know what? I want to I look for and pray for opportunity to, to make a statement to somebody about the fact that Jesus came for them and for me to be a savior. But I also want to make sure that I find time, I create time, and I grow time. I grow opportunity and I grow depth and I even grow passion in worshiping this worthy Savior. Let's pray together. Father, the truth is, we barely see what we're talking about. And Father, that is so frequently true. In some ways, it's probably always true. We barely see the surface. But I thank you that you've promised us to keep taking us to a deeper and deeper vision. If we're willing to run with what you've shown us, you will keep showing us more. If we're willing to keep loving you and serving you with what we understand, you will keep showing us more. And Father, I pray for myself. I pray for each one in this room who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. That no matter how strong we feel, how weak we feel, how powerful, how inadequate or adequate, how gifted or ungifted we feel, that every single one of us would recognize we have the power and the authority to lift our hearts up and worship a living Savior who rescued us from hell. Jesus, you are worthy of my worship. Jesus, you are worthy of more of my worship. And we each get to keep growing in that awareness and pursuing that awareness. 
And Father, I pray that your spirit would do this amazing thing. Here in this body, Father, we just shared prayer requests. We have a multitude of needs. We have a multitude of hard situations. Some heartbreaking. Some painful. We have a multitude of situations, Father, that that we need help. And I pray that you would do this, Father. That as we come into your presence and we worship you, that all of those situations would shrink to their proper size because we see you in your proper glory. We see you high and lifted up, worthy of trust, not just worthy of praise, worthy of trust because of who you are. So that all of our dilemmas are manageable. All of our sorrows are temporary because you're faithful, a faithful Savior and a faithful Father. Thank you in Jesus' name.